Has God ever led you to something that you didn't want to do? <laughs> like you knew God wanted you to do it, but you just didn't want to do it. <laughs> Maybe it was staying in a marriage. Maybe it was staying involved with your kids. Maybe it was serving in church. I don't know, Dad, have you ever felt that? Oh, I, yes, absolutely I have. But what I, The way I get a kick out of this question is because usually when people tell me that God is leading them to do something. It's something they want to do. <laughs> it's something they want to yeah. do. Yeah. And every example we have in Scripture of God leading, you know, being very, very specific, I want you to do this, it was always something they didn't right. want to do. And oh, it's I, Jesus going into the wilderness to fast for 40 yeah. days, you know. It's, right, he was led yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. when saying, I, well, God's leading me to to take a better job with more pay and to move yeah. away and you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, warmer right. weather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, is God leading you there? Sure. Which is okay. It's okay. Again, I always have to say it's okay to make decisions. God enjoys us making decisions. Yeah. But he well, let's not take his name in vain yeah, and say it's him. Let's own those decisions. Yeah. Anyway, so so we obviously have something here where that's going to yeah. happen with Jesus. God is taking, the Father is taking Jesus to something that Jesus does not want to yeah. do. And you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. Verse 35. Yeah, you want to jump in? You bet. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? That was just what we read last week. No, they replied. But now he said, take your money in a traveler's bag. Because remember, we said then this was for training. It's not universal. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true, that he is going to be taken. You know, it's interesting. I've always wondered about this verse because he says, hey, if you don't have a sword, go sell your cloak and buy one. I always wonder, why does he say that? And then it just kind of dawned on me. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just kind of dawned on me. Jesus is saying like, okay, God's going to protect you, but also do what you can to protect yourself (laughs) too. Right. Um, And in fact, verse 38, look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That is enough, he said. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do depend on God, but God also gives us the ability to protect ourselves and to, and to fend for ourselves. Verse 39, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So Jesus here does not want to go to the cross? No. Now, he did. Scripture yeah. tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the mm-hmm. cross. But you say, if there's any other way, if there's well, any other way. How could he be a human, fully yeah. human, and want to be crucified? And when I read this, because I, you know, we read this a lot of times around Good Friday as well. When I read this, I always think, like, when's the last time I did something I didn't want to do because I really felt like God was leading me to do it? Mm. And when I struggle to answer that question... I do think, like, am I taking God's leading? Mm. Am I serving where I should be serving? Am I giving as much as I should be giving? You know, am I focusing on people as much as I should be focusing on people? Because if I can't answer that question, when has God, when have I done something I didn't want to do because it really felt like God was like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not good if I can't think of anything. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we talked about this with Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac and how God intervened, but this was this what the faith of Abraham was on display because of his willingness to do whatever God wanted, no matter what, even when it didn't make sense. Yeah. And and that spoke to me in a huge way. I think a lot of us at church, in fact, we we made commitments at that point that were beyond what we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> well beyond what yep. we wanted. Yep. And then And then course, our church took in twice as much as we <laughs> twice were asking. As for. Much and God said, okay, here, you can get half it back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
which is what he does uh, so often. All right, so where I I lose my place all the time. Where I am just I at? lost my place. Yeah, um, um, ver- verse thirty nine. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and no, went. I'm sorry, it's verse forty three. Wow, I'm way off. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. We've talked about this a lot in church, so we don't have to go into this, but this is actually something that our med- those in the medical field understand, that there is an actual human condition of great stress that yeah. causes the, the capillaries, the tiny blood vessels ne- near the sweat glands to break open, allowing blood to ooze into the sweat glands. It's actually an glands. early sign of, early symptom of heart failure. Hmm. which you can see or, um, well, takes place for Jesus on the, yeah. yeah. And then when Jesus on the cross, you know, when they pierce his side and, and water and blood it actually shows like a, a ruptured heart, but you see the symptoms starting right here. Verse 45, at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in a temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas one of the 12 disciples, Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? Again, using that term of deity. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought our swords. And one of them struck the high priest slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come to him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. And here comes the fulfillment of Jesus uh, to Peter. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined him there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. You, you see the, the stress that Peter was under here because he wanted both. He really wanted to follow Jesus. You, you, he, there was this earnestness here that he loved Jesus. But at the same time, he had a great fear for his own well-being. And this is why what takes place here. He followed after. He wanted to be around, but then when it come down, came down to it, he protected himself. So Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be, he must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. They could tell that by the way he dressed and the way he talked. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And there's talk about what that crowing of the rooster was. That yeah, some we've say talked about this the in the call. podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a call to worship. Anyway, at that uh, moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. There's definitely real guilt. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us, who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, if I tell you, you won't believe me. 
And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. And they all shouted, so are you claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, you say that I am. Why do we need any other witnesses, they said. We ourselves have heard him say it. And this is where the chapter closes. We get into the next chapter tomorrow. It'll be Jesus before trial and all the way to his crucifixion. Right. Sobering time, but a necessary time that Jesus went through because he foresaw you. He knew who you were going to be, and he loved you that much to go ahead and go through something that he would, of course, not want to have gone through, but it was his love that drove him to it, his love for you. That's right. So we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 is the corresponding chapter for today. And, and verse, uh, verse one, yeah, you, I, yeah, I'll go ahead. It was verse two, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of one and two. And, that, and one says, there's another serious tragedy I've seen in our world. And he says, here's this tragedy. God gives great wealth and honor to some people and gives them everything they could ever want. But then he doesn't give them the health to enjoy it. They die and others get it all. This is meaninglessness, a sickening tragedy. Now, in order to understand this, you get, again, we have to go back to what Ecclesiastes was, that this was a journal of Solomon's thinking as he's going through this process of coming back to God. And he's talking about his wayward thinking. But even at this point, he's starting to understand that the temporal pleasures of life don't matter because no matter how pleasurable they may be, they're so short-lived. It's eternity that's going to matter. Yeah. And so he's pointing towards that that end conclusion that we're going to get to in chapter 12. And he starts giving hints of it even along the way, that you can get everything you want, but who cares because it won't last very long. Yeah. All right. Well, today, live in that gratefulness of what Jesus did for you, mm -hmm. that Jesus went to the cross on your behalf, and that changes everything. It changes how you treat your boss. It changes how you relate to your coworkers. It changes really your whole focus on today. And in time, bringing Ecclesiastes into this, he did it not so that you could enjoy this life. Oh, I think as followers of Jesus, we get more enjoyment in this life. Yeah. But he didn't do it for that reason. He did it for eternity. That's, That's right. what matters. So live for eternity today. And we look forward to jumping back into God's Word with you tomorrow. <laughs>